I'm David S. Dawson from The Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me is the wonderful Chris Farrell. I'm here to smite and spite people tonight. Oh, I can do that, too. Uh, guess who's here to spite us? It's SP. Welcome back, SP. Absolutely. You know, I was having so much fun being off for two weeks. I thought I'd come back finally and, and just say, hey, guys, I'm here to ruin your podcast. Perfect. You know what? There are a lot of podcast advice shows out there that will help you ruin your podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> leave that alone there. And one of them is unprotected advice with Willie Nelson. Any advice you give, it will ruin your podcast. And your life. Uh, Go to unprotectedadvice.com for more unprotected advice from Willie Nelson. You actually have the URL for that? Yeah, I own unprotectedadvice.com. It redirects to my podcast site with anything tagged as unprotected advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, I was going to say in advance, but we'll just say thank you to Michelle and Suncast for filling in while SP was away. But SP, we did miss you. It's good to have you back. It was great. It, it was first of all, it's good to be back, but it was great to be gone for two. I think this was the longest vacation I've taken in well over a decade. And it was really cool. It was cool because I went somewhere that was so remote that I didn't have to wear a mask anywhere for two weeks. And so then when I left a couple of days ago on Saturday to drive home, I got to the first rest area and or no gas station. I got to the first gas station and I almost got out of the car without the mask. I'm like, nope, nope, we're going to wear a mask. So yeah, it's just, it's 2020 guys, but it was great. And it really rejuvenated me. I did no podcasting whatsoever, except for test one device, which was disappointing. <laughs> And I'll leave it at that for now. For more information, go to Better Podcasting, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com. What was your favorite moment from the last two weeks of the official GunnaGeek.com show? Not being here, to be honest <laughs> that, with that you. That was just a setup right there. Uh, you gave yeah. him a softball. I, I, I did no podcasting for two weeks, and I might have felt a little bit guilty about it, honestly, but I did not have time to even watch the shows or listen to the shows. Even on my drive back, I was just trying to catch up with different things. I'm still trying to catch it. It's been two days and I'm still trying to catch up with stuff. Well, I look forward to when you catch up because you should hear the things that Suncast said last week about you. All right, let's kick this all off here, the news this week, with some sad news from a piece of our history, but but exciting news nonetheless, and uh, nonetheless, apparently. Uh, uh, I don't know why I can't speak, but anyways, Chris, tell us about how there's more farmers going under. This is not sad news I bring you today, guys, because ding dong, the witch is dead. Which old witch? The Farmville witch. One of the things I've hated most about Facebook for many, many years is finally going away. I'm not the only one that hated Farmville, by the way. South Park has a fantastic episode where they rip on people's behavior towards playing Farmville and, and Facebook behavior, and it holds up to this day. But if you were not aware, the parent company Zynga is shutting down the original Farmville web game on Facebook at the end of the year. It's not, an un, excuse me, it's not entirely unexpected news because Facebook did say in July they would no longer support Flash games at the end of the year. This is the same date that Adobe is killing the Flash player. So that effectively kills off Farmville. For those that don't remember, the game launched in 2009. It had more than 10 million daily active users excuse me, in less than two months. And at its peak popularity, 30 million people were wasting their time playing Farmville daily, driving the company Zynga to record revenues. 
Now, we may not have heard much about the app in Facebook lately, but they have released mobile versions and a sequel to the mobile version, but it's never quite captured that same magic and the addiction that it had before. Thank God, editor's note aside. And if you want to keep playing right now, they haven't shut everything down yet. If you're still a Farmville player, you can continue to make in-app purchases until mid-November, after which they will shut down the payment system and you'll be able to play the game through December 31st before it is permanently shut down. But if you're itching for more Farmville, though, don't worry. Zynga has promised that Farmville 3 is coming to mobile. So I'm sure you guys are uh, really excited to be able to play Farmville 3. I, for one, am just excited that I'll no longer have to receive notifications in Facebook telling me, go water Steven John Drew's plant. She'll really help him out or something like that. Or getting notifications in my feed to be like, come be part of my farm experience. And I go, ugh. This is a good day in my mind because it is finally gone. I don't have to hear stupid stories of some people in my friend group going, I don't have time to play Farmville a lot, but I make my husband get up at 3 a.m. to water my crops on my phone. And I'm like, are you kidding me? No, no, this actually happened. And we won't talk anymore about that because it was terrible. And I will admit, full disclosure, I did play Farmville for somewhere between 10 to 30 minutes before I went. The F am I doing, I think is what I put it, how I put it turned it off and said, I'm never playing this game again. So you made your fiance get up at 3 a.m. to water your plants. I didn't know my fiance slash now wife at this time when this person told this story to me about having their significant other wake up at 3 a.m. to water their plants because they were too tired to do it. And I, I kind of was like, really? That's, so that's really? Why an excuse. So that's why your ex-girlfriend broke up with you? Which one? There's some stories behind those. We can, we can get into them because they're long, long exes now. But Oh, really? Naki, for instance? Naki and I were never an item. We are just friends. But nice That's try. not what my fanfic says, by the way. <laughs> I want to see this fanfic. Please post it and I will retweet it on Twitter at the Chris Farrell. Uh, let's just say that Jim Ballant does the uh, artwork for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, somebody gets that. So Farmville was the thing that everybody played before Candy Crush, right? There's something after Candy Crush now that's probably the thing, but my thumb is so far removed from the pulse of pop culture that I have no clue what it is. You got me there. I've never played a game. Well, no, I have played games on my phone. I played Final Fantasy on my phone. That's like Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, and Final Fantasy 4. I all played those on my phone. Those are classics, and they're well worth your playing. They're still on my phone, actually. I, I have a confession to make. I actually had no idea that Farmville was still possible on Facebook. You know, I, I did too, because <laughs> I was shocked because I muted it as soon as they gave me the capability to mute notifications from yeah. certain apps and things like that. I was like, no, all these Farmville things are muted. I had no idea you could still play it on Facebook. And I read this news and went, huh, it's worth talking about because it had such an effect on pop culture for so many years and also kind of gets us into that discussion of, there's these crazes that sweep through and something's popular for a time. And then we forget all about it until it goes away. And then we celebrate its death. So uh, rotten hell, Farmville, rotten hell. You know, I, I heard it. that they're going to be making a new modern version of this because that was all about, you know, maintaining your crops and, you know, living the farm life. I heard they're going to be making a podcasterville, And what it's going to be is all about being a professional podcaster. And you got to go in and you got to like click affiliate links and then you got to go and mm. spam people with with other, you know, same advice, but then not give them the full advice and charge them for a paywall. That's that's what I heard. It's going to be. Can you soon. Twitter bomb too in it? Of course. Yeah, I heard it was going to be Call of Farming Modern Tractors is what we are going to get as the <laughs> Ooh, new spin on Modern Tractors. Yeah, Modern that's, Tractors. That's right up my alley. <laughs> I, I dealt with a tractor in the past two weeks. Needed a new carburetor. I mean, th- there's something to be said. And where it gets interesting is, remember, Facebook used to be kind of like this this hub of all sorts of different games, especially in like the 2009 to probably 2012, 2013 timeframe. There were all sorts of weird in-app games that would come on there, and there were microtransactions done through Facebook. And then we saw more of a heavy migration to purchase this in the App Store or purchase this in the Google Play Store, and you do your in-app purchasing that way. And they would use your Facebook login or something like that to authenticate and connect you to these accounts. So it's interesting to see how things have shifted, how a lot of people went, well, we're tired of giving Facebook a cut, so we'll give Google and Apple a 30% cut. I wonder what the Facebook terms were for the cut that they got. I assume it's probably less than 30% at this point in time. 
Yeah, I heard that Farmville was actually going to survive. It was moving. It was going from Facebook to Google+. It's going to last a long time on Google+, I tell you what. <laughs> I, I just want to make the observation, though, that things haven't changed that much with Facebook. Because you were talking about how like it used to be a hub of fun and things like this. This game here allowed you to be a farmer. And as we all know... One of the things that you do as a farmer is you have to shovel dung and most of the content on Facebook is the equivalent of shoveling dung. Uh, editors, editorial aside, especially as we get closer to November, there's a lot more <laughs> dung on Facebook the closer we get to November. Yeah, in America. America, yeah. America. I've, I've like almost totally non-news at this point. Oh, by the way, I used to play Farmville, but then Zuckerberg kicked me off of Facebook, so I can't play Farmville anymore. Well, pour one out for anything but Farmville. <laughs> like, seriously, anything but Farmville. Go ahead and do it now. Uh, thanks for updating us on this news that none of us knew still existed before this moment. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Don't, don't want to pour, pour it out. over your keyboard, Chris. Yeah, this is an expensive keyboard. I don't want to break it. All right, well, let's move on to the next news point, which is about Google Play. And it's kind of similar to something we've touched about uh, recently. And it's all about Google updating the Google Play terms of service. If you didn't know this, Google Play is basically your, your hub for your apps on Android. It's the equivalent to the iOS App Store. That's where you get all of your, your apps from. And Google has announced that as of next year, Android 12, they, are, they have plans to make it easier for Android users to be adding more app stores to their phones. They haven't said much more than that, but I guess they are seeing that some other companies might want to go and distribute their own apps through their own app store. There's a few reasons why you can speculate, one of which I'll mention in a minute, but there have been some issues in recent with certain third-party phones and them not being permitted to use the Google Play Store and <laughs> Huawei. Exactly. <laughs> Huawei. So I can see why they're probably doing this because this is probably their way to skirt laws, possibly, in order to allow them to still put out a product of Android that can be used by companies that don't have access to Google Play. But that's just my theory on that. Well, you can't have an and well, you can't get access to the official Google services and things like that unless you yeah. have Google Play services and things like that. There. I don't think that gets them around that. But I think it's more for if you want to more easily put, say, the Amazon App Store or something on there to buy things. Well, that makes too. your life easier. Exactly. Because as it is, all of the companies have to go and essentially make their own version of Android in order to do that. So this mm -hmm. might make it a little easier for that distribution process. But they have reaffirmed its commitment to taking a 30% cut from app and in-app sales. Very similar to what we've been hearing with the lawsuits lately with the Apple's App Store. Google has in the past had a history of being a little loosey-goose with the old 30% payment rules. And many developers have used this sort of loose rules in order to skirt having to pay that 30%. But Google says they are going to be enforcing this soon and they're going to be enforcing all developers who wish to wait, remain in the Play Store to use the payment platform if an app is through the Google uh, is obtained through the Google Play Store. So this is what they're looking at, at doing. And they did in recent, I think it was during like the COVID era here, they did go and and cut the 30% fee for now, just I guess it's a good will gesture, I'm not sure. But they are saying that they are going to be not only bringing it back, but hammering down on that term, uh, terms of service and making people do that. So very, very similar here. And um, I'm curious to know who you think was sleeping with who between Google and Apple? Oh, I think it's more that Apple established the precedent and Google said, hey, we're going to follow this because 30% is sweet. If you really wanted Google to go for a, a baller move, as the kids might put it at times, we'll shift it to 20%. SP, what yes. do you think about the 30% take in general from both Apple and Android or Apple and Google? On one hand, it's pretty steep, right? But on the other hand, they are providing the avenue for everybody to actually be in these app stores and to use these apps on their devices. It's a little bit like a mall store. Now, malls 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever you want to call it, they were happening, hopping in, 
and to get the prime spot in the mall so that you got a lot of foot traffic you got a lot of people coming in your store and buying stuff the rent there was pretty high and the people that sold a lot of things from their source or high value because there's a lot of jewelry stores on those end caps right that they would be able to survive and pay those high rents in order to stay in business kind of like this you want to be in those app stores in order to sell your stuff those are the two big one i know microsoft we won't go into the other things out there other mobile devices that are out there the two big ones are android and apple iphone ios and in order to sell your apps you got to go through them 30 percent, i think is a little high in in this day and age where you have a lot of uh smaller transactions like apps aren't 30 50 bucks like they once were they're like if you find an app that's 10 bucks oh my gosh it better be really good most apps are between a buck and and five dollars right now us is 2020 prices and yeah 30 percent is a little high on the other hand they're providing the the infrastructure so i i don't know I don't, I don't know what a true good market value is i do know that as a developer or an app provider out there i want that as low as possible and if i'm google or apple i want it as high as possible so i don't know let's go on to what i'm calling space news so space note news space news I'm glad you got that pop filter there. <laughs> I don't think I've been on the show for three weeks, right? It's been a month since I've been on, right? Because we had a week off and then I was gone for two weeks. Is that right, Stephen? Sure. Okay, well, we're on with it. Anyway, so <laughs> I look back in the past two weeks at all the space news, and I know there's stuff that happened before, and there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. We could talk about the potential of life on Venus. We could talk about the future of where astronauts are going to land on the moon, how much radiation they're going to be exposed to, yada, yada, yada. But I'm going to maintain course, and we're going to keep talking about Starship from SpaceX. I ran a couple of, across a couple of articles on space.com by Mike Wall and nasaspaceflight.com by Chris Bergen, and that dropped today. And it was all about both Starship SN8 prototype and the Super Heavy. And this is all part of the Starship system that is going to be able to send 100 people colonization ship to Moon, Mars, wherever. So they had the hopper tests with SN5 and SN6. They intentionally blew the tank on SN7 to see exactly how far they could get with a certain version of the stainless steel metal that they're making the stuff out of. So Starship 8 is the next iteration of the ships in testing full capability for Starship. So what's going on? Starship SN8 prototype, this is the eighth version of the Starship prototype, has arrived at the launch site for a test campaign full of first for SpaceX prototype vehicle. First of all, it's complete with aero surfaces. This will be the first one that has complete aero surfaces on it and not just a smooth round body. And SN8 will be tested and launched with three Raptor engines on a refined test flight to 50,000 feet or 15 kilometers up. The vehicle is the first in a family of starships that will incrementally test the launch return and landing capability ahead of the push to orbit, which will happen next year in 2021. The target altitude, and I just mentioned 50,000 feet, it has been refined. It was originally 12 miles up, and even before that, it was, well, it was 20 kilometers, then moved to 18 kilometers, and now it's 15 kilometers. So they've reduced the actual height of this hopper test, but it's still miles. It's not meters or feet. It's well, well above the atmosphere. So with, or, or up into the atmosphere, not above the atmosphere. With SN8 moving to the launch site, stacking operations can now conclude on Starship SN9. With SN8 moving to the launch site, you have room to stack SN9. The final mating operations of SN9 are expected to occur over the next few days, with the four dome being stacked on Sunday after we record this. This should be like a day or so after this podcast drops. And the last operation is the lifting of the stack into the final section, which is the thrust section which will be housed in the next door bay. This will complete the SN9 stack. So SN8 will be completed and then start its flight testing and SN9 will be stacked up. Once SN9 is finished, 
Sections for SN10 are expected to arrive for a buildup inside the mid-bay, following the same path as previous stacking flows. And in a sign of SpaceX's Boca Chica's, I, this is where this test thing is, right? Boca Chica. And I just love saying this. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. In the, in the sign of uh, SpaceX's Boca Chica incredible production cadence, SN11 sections have already been spotted outside the big tents with parts for starships up to SN13 believed to already be on site in Texas. So we're talking about SN8 being completed all the way through SN13. But wait, guys, there's more. It's not just the Starship body. It's the mega launch vehicle called Super Heavy. So ever since Elon first noted that production on the first Super Heavy prototype was about to begin, checking the labels on steel rings became more important than usual. And thanks to the eagle eyes of NSF's photojournalist Mary, that first section for commercials uh, Super Heavy was spotted during the week. It's named Com Barrel AC Booster, which is short for Commercial oh, Barrel oh, Assembly Booster. Sorry, what? It was named what? Com Barrel AC Booster. And how do you spell? C O M M B A R R E L A S S Y. B O O S T E R. So what you're saying is that there is a super heavy that is named assy that is to do with something that has a thrust section that mates. That's right. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Just just to make sure I'm right there. So the com barrel assy booster, which is a three ring section, will be located two thirds up the lengthy booster and is set to be stacked in the nearly completed high bay facility. The current plan is for the first booster to be test flown to around 150 meters, which is very similar to the SN5 and the SN6 test profiles under the power of two Raptor engines. Obviously going to have a lot more than two Raptor engines, but that's what they're going to test it with first two Raptor engines. Guys, this is incredible. Also, since we last recorded the engines to the NASA version of this whole thing, the SLS, the engines were tested. I think I posted that video in Discord. It was incredible, uh, it, like a two minute test fire, which is about how much they run when you launch till main booster um, cut off. So there's a lot going on, not just with SpaceX, but with everything else is an exciting time to pay attention to space travel. So question, which one of these is Suncast redirecting for his lollipop resupply on Mars? We'll just call it SN13 because I think 13 would be a good number for him to use. Side, of, side note, this is that same bag of Tootsie Roll Pops that's been sitting on my desk for three years since this gag first happened. <laughs> Eat it. Eat it. That's not, I can't have a lollipop on the air. I'm going to sit there and make smacking noises. Do you want to edit that out? No, I don't. I don't at all. Are we going to try how many licks it takes to get to the center of a lollipop? Are we going to do that on the show? Are you trying to sexualize me? I was going to say, with some of the lingo (laughs) that you just used, let's get away from the lollipops, please. (laughs) The only thing that you could be worse is like, hey, this is the report on SN69 or something like that. Nice. I mean, what? (laughs) Sorry, South Park has that just built into my head anytime there's a joke like that. At the rate that Elon is pushing SpaceX, I wouldn't be surprised that there will be an SN69 someday. (laughs) Well, do also remember the Model 3 was supposed to be the Model E, so we could have the Model S, E, X, and Y. So, not exactly unheard of. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then BFG was not Big Falcon Rocket, was it? It's the Big Fracken Rocket. Yeah, it's not what he said in Australia or Mexico, was it? I think it was Mexico. That's not yeah. what he said there. <laughs> we can't say that word on our friendly podcast, but we can say frack all we fracking want. We can't say it. It's just Stephen has to beep it. I don't oh, have, so I, you're saying we should just say it right now so that Stephen no, can bleep it. I don't have I, a beep. I don't, I don't, no, I don't have a beep right now. Well, you in can post? just like drop it out so all you hear is and then kill it off. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think so. Well, let's find out. I want to be lazy. That's what I'm looking out for editor, Stephen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ruining SB, my fun. Kidding aside, 
We don't generally do space news while you're away because none of us can do it justice, and I miss it. I miss it when you're away. It's so nice to have you back doing space news. Thank you, SP. Oh, you bet. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening now that we're post-lockdown. There's a lot of stuff that is continuing. Don't forget, we've got the James Webb Space Telescope that's due to launch. We've got just various things that are headed. And don't forget, we have those Mars probes that are traveling right now to Mars. They should start to land in February 2021. And will Suncast meet them to say hello when he's on Mars? Yeah. I think he'll come up in his little dinghy and, and, you know, wave his flag and offer my ties to them as they come on. It, it, isn't it like that? Like I will have you, have you know that his dinghy is not little. This is his first resupply of Tootsie Roll Pops. Comes in one of those probes. From your desk. Yeah. And then they traveled <laughs> through space, so they're sure to be really fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, moving on to the extra extra here, we just got a quick point here I want to touch on that might turn a little bit more long because it's about Google being confusing. Google does appear to be holding strong on their decision to make Google Meet come under limitations for the free um, for the unpaid participants to 60 minute sessions as of September 30th. If you don't remember this back, in, I think it was April, Google officially opened up Google Meet to the public. This is something that they did, people presumed, in response to COVID and people being at home, is they took what was supposed to be a specific paid service for businesses, essentially like a Zoom for business, and they opened it up to everybody, which made us scratch our head a little bit because Duo was there and there was a lot of similarity. They even expanded group calling on Duo and Meet. And there was some sort of one-on-one -on -one calls. It was really confusing. And then it started to make a little bit more sense because it was looking like the two of them were going to be merging. There was a news article that came out saying that as well as like their messaging service was all going to be thrown under one banner on the Google side of things. And so it was presumed that the two were going to be merged. And that was the rumors that Google Meet and Google Duo were going to be merged. But now it looks like they are holding firm on the limitation to 60 minutes as of September 30th. Which makes things even more confusing because we have now a couple of services out here that are available to the public and allegedly Google Duo is being rolled into Google Meet. And if that's the case, well, then Google Duo is kind of the FaceTime version for Android. And then there's a 60-minute limitation. I'm all sorts of confused with this here, especially if they are going to merge the two. So what do you think about this, Chris Farrell? I don't care I, I mean I, I guess it's interesting i haven't used either service so the fact that they may merge they may not merge they're putting time limits on things i sort of get the idea of what they're doing by putting anything over 60 minutes you basically have to be a paid customer for because it tries to get people to sign up for the service that is more geared towards businesses but the whole concept of potentially merging duo with it I don't get why they would do it, especially if it's supposed to be a FaceTime thing, but it's Google and messaging services. So it's never going to make sense to me because it's always screwy and doesn't make sense. Especially because Google Duo is doing well. And is it? I, I've never you, used it, but once. No, it, it's doing pretty good. Uh, I, I know like my experience with it is, and I've used it regularly, it continues to improve. And I actually know several Apple users who use it because they can use it on their Apple device and to Android people. Okay. So did I misunderstand that the 60-minute time limit is going to apply to Google Duo now as no. well? No. Yeah, it's okay. just Google Meet. Just, just Google, Google Meet. Meet. Yeah, well, so. it's, it's an interesting change of how they're handling something as they're starting to change their processes in a COVID world and seeing how things are working out. I, I don't think it's really a huge story. I think it's interesting. but I think that they're just trying to continue to go neck and neck with places like Zoom that do limit it. And so they're like, yeah, we got to get that limitation on there and continue making See, this I, a, a reason for businesses to pay for this. Interesting. I don't use Zoom either, except for like once or twice for some stuff. And it's always been like 30 minutes max because everything we do at work is via Microsoft Teams. So I haven't explored any of these other tools, to be honest. You were shaking your head. No, SP. Google Meet is a Zoom competitor plain and simple. And I know a lot of schools moved off of Zoom into Google Meet when they had their whole security issue earlier this year as people were trying to just figure out how to do distance learning. 
And I think that that is the niche for Google Meet. I think Duo is more like a FaceTime competitor. And FaceTime is, is pretty cool if you're just going one-on-one with somebody. And that's kind of the, the premise of, of Duo. And you're seeing more and more people doing calls where they're holding their phone out and they're actually doing the video call back and forth, whether they're using Duo or FaceTime or whatever. And I think that's pretty neat right there. What I will say is that I can imagine the total chaos that 2020 would have been had Blab actually come out in 2020 versus when it came out like five, six years ago, because it would have completely borked up everybody because they wouldn't have able to handle the bandwidth. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's what this is coming in as. These companies are providing these services. There's a lot of bandwidth that happens with these services and it's money. Bandwidth is money. It's less money than it used to be, but it's still money. And so they have to keep the servers going. They have to keep the bandwidth. They have to keep the lights on, so to speak, in order to make this happen. And if you're not paying for it, there's only so much that they're willing to do off their bottom line in order to keep the services going. And I think a a 60 minute limit is actually pretty tremendous in this year. I think the only reason they chose 60 minutes this year is those hour long meetings that people are having to work from home. And if it wasn't for 2020, they wouldn't be at one hour. They would be closer to half an hour or 15 minutes. Well, and to be frank, if a meeting lasts longer than an hour right now, I generally hate my life. So <laughs> this limit is pretty great for people like me that are like, oh, my God, at least we're at the 59 minute mark. This is going to last one more minute. <laughs> well, but that's one Chris- of the reasons why I was a little confused about this, because you would think it would be they'd be putting the limitation on to drive businesses to actually pay for the service like is intended with Google Meet, right? But an hour allows a lot of the businesses to keep doing it. So you, you sh- if you were to like at, at 30, 40 minutes, that a lot the people always go, well, we'll schedule a half hour meeting and then it runs to like nearly an hour. So it seems like more businesses would be willing to pay for it that way. Is there a feature difference between the free tier and the paid tier that it does fair. like Google Apps integration or Google Drive integration? I don't I honestly don't know. Maybe that's, that's another way you drive there is you give people the chance to have that 60 minute meeting. But, oh, look at all these other tools that we could interact with. And if they're a Google, a G, a G Suite shop, that's probably a good thing. This is still early in the work from home era. We just started this in mass this year and people are still working from home. Now, I think they're trying to hook people. I think they're they're not trying to drive business away. They're still trying to drive business, but they know that they need to hook people in longer and longer until just becomes part of their everyday expectations at their work environment. And then they got them and then they can send the bill to the companies. That's fair. But you know, it's cheaper for companies to pivot to this telework model than it is to try and put everyone back in offices and keep them clean in the middle of the coronavirus. Oh, well, true. But would you rather them come to your version of the the teleconferencing or do you want to drive them to a competitor no no I, I i completely get what you're saying more my point was what we should hopefully start to see here is a realization for a lot of these companies that holy crap it's more beneficial to us especially when it comes to cost to not have to open all this office space just to have people sit at a desk for eight hours a day because they can stay at their own house for eight hours a day use these different tools that are available still be able to coordinate and talk to people in a way that matters and it would save them money and then sort of screws the employee because we're using our own equipment in most cases. But there's there's company savings to be had here. They just have to get past the mindset of, I need to be able to look in your cube and make sure you're working all day long. My mind still goes back to 2012, 2013, I believe it was. And Stephen, your brother, cobbled together two yeah. video Google Hangout sessions in order to put more than I, I can't remember if it was six or eight people together at at the same time on the same call. That was not that long ago. And no. now we're talking mm-hmm. about hundreds of people and, and millions of people really on a daily basis, but hundreds of people being able to be in a, like a company wide broadcast meeting, something like that. And I'm not talking about like the Apple event or the Microsoft event. I'm talking about company wide meetings and it's capable of happening on a daily basis versus where we were eight years ago. It's it's we've come a long way. Very true. Well said, SP. 
Well, all I got to say to the point that Chris said about, you know, companies needing to realize that they don't need to just check in on our cubicle time. I wear my pants like 60% more at home than I did at the office. I'll just go ahead and say that. You had one of those kind of offices, eh? <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to Geek Wars. You, you must work with Zarian. <laughs> All right, let's go here to something that has been in the works for a few weeks. It's a little dated themed of Geek Wars, but I made the questions and damn it, I'm going to use them, okay? Sure. I mean, don't the questions have rights? (laughs) All right, this Geek Wars is themed based off of a news point that I did a few weeks ago with Michelle Elion here, because as I mentioned, when I did that news point, I had intended to do the news point the week before, but then we had no episode, like SP mentioned at the beginning of the show. And it's all to do with the wonderful world of tech components. Specifically, we're going to be looking at video cards and things like that, because NVIDIA came out with a a new series of video cards like a month ago. And so I was going to, at the time we talked about this, be doing a version of Geek Wars. And so this was going to play off of that. And I was going to be a whole bunch of little related to primarily graphics card companies and <laughs> and questions to do with that. It's going to be a score of one to zero when it's all <laughs> said and done because one of us will get lucky. <laughs> and, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes because... It's largely related to to graphics card companies. There are a couple that are not. So we'll we'll see how that goes. And if you didn't know how Geek Wars works, I ask questions and these two answer them and we see who is the bigger geek and they have to ring in. And if they ring in, they get it wrong. The other person has a chance to answer. So what names are you going to ring in with today, Chris? Chris? And USP? Hmm. USP. Okay, USP. All right, so we got USP and Chris. Playing. What is that an acronym for? <laughs> unqualified Stargate Pioneer. Uh, so you're automatically qualified to go on unqualified gamers. If that was still a podcast, sure. There's an Australian oh. version. Mm. No, not unqualified gamers. Oh, that's right. It's <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for him to realize what he said was wrong. Maybe I'm just going to poach it and bring it back. You should yeah. make a deal with Cody to bring it back. Don't make a deal. Just do it. Just just register yeah, a new that's domain. That's a great idea. Just take hey, Cody, it. I stole your podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy being a new dad, right? Like He'll never notice until the first year of podcast is out. Exactly. I've effectively replaced him in everyone's hearts and minds. Will you be verified then? I'll never be verified. I tried that. It didn't work. No. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start off here and start off with question number one. In 2000, in the year 2000, ATI changed to primarily being known under what name? I've started off with a hard one. No idea. No. (laughs) Take a guess. Come on. Come on. Take a guess. Chris. All right, Chris. Creative. No. SP. Uh, yeah, I'd be Say out. your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, ATI, uh, I want it's not NVIDIA, is it? No, no. no. Yeah. It is Radeon Technologies Group. Oh, Radeon. So oh, I, I, that makes I sense. Why would have just taken Radeon? Uh, so that's zero, zero for both of these guys. Question number I'm shocked. two. Which desktop processor? See, I said primarily graphics. Which desktop processor did, was discontinued in 2003, but had initially turned heads because of its unique cartridge and slot design? It was a cartridge and a slot, which was quite different from this company's processor history. It's not Intel. Chris, All right. Pentium 3? No, that is incorrect, but close. 
Oh, you can't give <laughs> hints like that. Okay, USP. <laughs> All right, USP. Pentium 4. Wrong! Pentium 2. Pentium 2. <laughs> ah, we're both incompetent. <laughs> I have known that for years, Chris. <laughs> Pentium 2, I actually Fair. put that one in there because I... Uh, the first computer that like I had was the Pentium 2. And I remember thinking it was so cool Me that it too. had like this cartridge type thing. It was like it was it was all built in design, but yeah, it was a cartridge. And to me, it felt weird when they went away from the cartridge because it just made sense. I had a Packard Bell Pentium 2, 266 megahertz processor. Woo! Woo! I had the very first commercial Pentium processor, and I think I've told the story on the show before. It was one that had that uh, uh, math error that was integrated into it. Oh, really? And yeah, and and they and I was in college at the time. They said, "Okay, so we have a priority." It was a Pentium sixty, by the way. And they said, "We have a priority for replacements. Are you in academia?" And at the time, I was. I said, "Yes." So check. Uh, are you in the aerospace industry? Yeah, check. And are you doing anything with the military? I said, yeah, check. Said, we'll FedEx it to you tomorrow. And people were like oh, waiting wow. months and I actually wow. got it the very next day. So wow. that was cool. And I remember it was the first chip I ever replaced and there was no goo back then. <laughs> it was literally like pins that went in and yeah, there was this yep. little lever that came up and it just popped up and I put the new chip down and put it back down and it worked and it was great. It was the first uh, tinkering with computers that I had ever done. Fun fact, the Pentium 2 also had MMX technology. Remember MMX? MMX. All right, this next one here, I think one of you guys can get. Uh, which brand is known for Crossfire? Oh, come on. SP? SP? NVIDIA? No, that is incorrect. Damn it. Chris? Chris. AMD. Yes, that is correct. You are at one. Woo! You're you the one that got lucky, that's, you SOB. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> I'm married. I don't get lucky. Come on. <laughs> oh, he finally <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Time to play into the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, joke. Next question here. N Force is what type of chipset? Mobile, portable gaming, or motherboard? N Force. N as in November. USP. USP. Mobile? Oh, mobile is incorrect. What were the options again? <laughs> mobile, portable gaming, or motherboard? Portable gaming is what I'll go with. That Chris. is incorrect. Again, motherboard. Left, mobile. Mobile. I thought he was saying mobile. I almost gave him the point. So that's, uh, yeah. So it's Chris at one, SP at zero. I think Steven stumped the chumps this week. <laughs> All right, this next one here. Between the year 2000 and 2004, AMD's budget processor line was named what? The AMD Steve, what? Steven, I was in college during that time frame, <laughs> and I had far better things to do and than you, pay attention to computer processing. I was in the desert fighting bad guys my, then. I didn't care. My brother was in the streets these. fighting beers. My brother <laughs> had one of these, so uh, you had no excuse, okay? <laughs> It was the Duron. It was the Duron. That's no, that the actually one. sort of sounds Does familiar. Not, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. In 2010, Intel purchased which security company at a deal valued $7.68 billion? In 2016, Intel announced that this brand would be converted to a joint venture with TPG Capital. Which security company? USP. USP. McAfee? Yeah. yeah. Here you go. It was either that or Norton. All. I wasn't sure. I <laughs> know. Yeah, uh, I was like, which one? Let's go, let's go with Mac. And in the chat, Kent, Kent, in the chat, Kent, uh, guess the other one. <laughs> all right. So before acquisition by AMD, ATI was largely a graphics, uh, a GPU manufacturer based out of which region? Can you say the question again, please? Before acquisition by AMD, ATI was based out of which region? Chris? Chris. North America? Mm, I need more specific than that. Oh. USP? USP. Silicon Valley? No. Chris, you have one more since I didn't say what? more specific than that. No, United I'm calling on this. He's you guys, wrong. You guys are way wrong. It was, uh, it was Canada. It was Ontario, Canada. 
So they were, on, they, were on, they were on Ontario. Ontario. That is a country, not a region. You Ontario. said region. Ontario is a region of Canada. It's, no, Ontario is a province. Oh my God. If he, <laughs> he said Silicon Valley, one of you two. Come on now. Like I know. I said North America. That's uh, a region. Whatever. <laughs> Silicon Valley is a region. It's not the name of a <laughs> I, town or I anything. I think that ATI was based out of the planet Earth. Oh, there you go. Earth is not a region. It's a third planet. rock from the sun. Oh my God. Anyways, that's fine. That's fine. Neither can't agrees. North America is a region. Oh, wow. It's not. It's anyway. okay. It's my ring finger. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I thought. North, Kent, DVD locking says North America. Technically, North America is used as with the term region, but it's technically a continent. Oh, oh what did you just say? Technically, it's used with the term region. I just heard that. No, oh, oh, I don't it's care. Not, I don't want because the point. <laughs> if you actually go to regions under the North America uh, Wikipedia law or area, there is actually uh, geographically the North America continent has many regions and subregions. Bam. There you go. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think we need an impartial third party judge. So we need to bring Willie on the show and get his uh, final answer on that. Fair enough. All right. So let's go on to the next one here. CUDA stands for what? No, I'm just joking. Uh, Here, I'll make it easier for you guys. CUDA was originally an acronym for something. Blank. Oh, jeez. Let me finish. Blank. Unified device architecture was the C container, compute, component, or chipset. USP. USP. Chipset. Wrong. So you, you got one in three chance, <laughs> buddy. Component. Wrong. It was compute. Of course it compute. was. Of course it was. And the second to last question. The, le- the second to last question. NVIDIA is known for using GeForce as their core software. What was the name of ATI's key driver prior to 2015? You guys never had an ATI card. So disappointed in you. You know, I did. I did. I had one I, in my GameCube. Yeah, I, I bought one a couple of years ago for my son's computer, but it was a wimpy one. I'll never forget this term, this name. Going one. Chris. Chris. A force. No, it wasn't A force. <laughs> SV. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm just gonna let let it roll. It was catalyst. Catalyst. No, that. <laughs> it was the catalyst driver. That's what it was. I made that one without even looking it up. Okay. Steven, would you want to pull a bunch of trivia from like <laughs> years 2002 you know, through 2007? You got to realize that was, this was Steven, senior high school you, you got to know right your care. co-hosts a little this bit better, Steven. This was a back related to the news and history and everything. So you guys can just, anyways, VCE, last question. VCE officially stands for Video Code Engine, according to AMD. However, there were three other names that it was referred to in official documentation before this decision was made, give give take a guess at what VCE they used. And, uh, what other names would they maybe used instead of video code engine? What else might they have said on official documentation? One point for everyone you get right. Video computer encoder. No. Chris, I'll give you two shots each. <laughs> Come on, it's right there. Not video code engine, but video video computing engine. I don't know. Video coding engine, video compression engine, and video codec engine. I didn't even give you your second chances. <laughs> it's because we're so pathetic we don't deserve them. I got kind of close. I said encoder. I didn't say close. codec, but it I was said encoder. It was so. close. Yeah, so, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. We weren't close enough. You were close because it was a tie, which is the best place for Geek Wars to end. Back to traditions. <laughs> it's, like, it's like JS is back on the show. We tried to tie all the time. Uh, so in the chat, Suncast is making a comment about how I like a- uh, I have a um, something for ATI. And absolutely I did because ATI for a very long time was a big part of my life as well. AMD was a big part of my life because there was a period where ATI was the go-to video card 
And also AMD was the go-to processor. So for a while, they were, they were my thing. So absolutely, I did. 100%. But there, of, there you guys a lot, go. You a know. lot of people say the AMD is, is the uh, processor to use these days. And a lot of people are going away from the NVIDIA graphics card. Although this, this latest suite, is, it's pretty sweet. And if, if you're going away from the current crop of NVIDIA graphics card products I just dropped, I don't know what you're doing. People. Yeah, <laughs> they've ATI still has some pretty big driver, or AMD has some pretty big, see, ATI, AMD has some big driver issues still. Well, the, I mean, they got closer last generation, right? And if they get a little closer again, then maybe in the next generation they can beat them. Uh, but the trade-off was the Ryzen line and stuff. The equivalents were cheaper than the Intel ones, so a lot of people started going AMD because performance was equivalent if not slightly better for a cheaper price yeah um right now that's my understanding right now there's a lot of problems with the current gen of intel latest and greatest processors as far as video cards go i would i would love to hear the use case for amd video cards over nvidia i I would like to know what what the argument is for that because i don't know i think the ray tracing completely swamps it right now i think nvidia's got it for the next couple of years like yeah. i was saying yeah so there you go you walk down memory lane uh not as cool uh several weeks walk after down the news, a lane but... um, a memoryless lane maybe not memory lane you know what we got to know a little bit about your first processors uh chris's beer drinking habits and how you somehow lied and said that you were important in order to get uh, processor the next day so there we go we all learned a little bit today and, and that steven has did not lie. great love <laughs> for ati i won't repeat how suncast put it but great love for ati exactly you want me to send you my gamecube because it has an ati card in it it's a little uh, ati I, sticker I, I, yeah, I have a gamecube yeah see there you go sweet for my son it's my son's but it's my <laughs> house possession is nine tenths of the law you're good Apparently, I also pay for his storage area, so oh, all his stuff is mine. Yeah. All your stuff are belong to us. If you did better than these two in Geek Wars, please tweet us at Geek or come to our Discord server at GinnaGeek.com slash Discord and let us know how did you do? Try to put these two to shame or better yet, shame me for doing a terrible version of Geek Wars. Apparently, <laughs> if you do better than us, then you might be the new host of Gonna Geek. It's that easy to get out? Are, I yeah, know, just find somebody that's better than us. Ago. I was going to yeah. say, they're going to be the new hosts. I get free? Sweet! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can have if there's somebody that does better and you like better and then it meshes better with you, then they should be the host on the show. So what you're saying is Willie Nelson is going to be the host of the official no, he, he's function. coming on just to do the tiebreaker. He's, mm. he's the judge. I don't think that <laughs> Willie and Steve know. I'm sure he that's, can come and give some unsolicited, unprotected advice as well. All right. Well, before we go, let's go ahead and turn it over here. Let's start off with Mr. Pioneer because he he's been away for a little bit. And let's just find out what he would like to plug or promote. I would like to promote that you should go in, I believe, a number of different streaming services and you should watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Why? Because it premiered 33 years ago. Today in 1987, I still remember that night because my dad was such an original series guy. I remember as a little kid, we were watching it together and we watched it originally and he was all in for a couple episodes and then he kind of faded away. And then I encouraged him to come back with the Borg episodes and later on in season three and season four. But this was the start of it 33 years ago today, and it has an incredible series all the way through to the modern discovery series which i thought i wouldn't like and i did so yeah go ahead and i'm just gonna plug that i have to say i love the history of star trek the next generation and how much hatred it got because i am not one of those star trek fans that trash on everything modern uh, I'm a firm believer as well that the old format doesn't work for my modern sci-fi And I I think that there are some people who there's a lot of people right now who complain about Star Trek just based purely on the fact that it's different and it's new and it's trying something, something new. 
Um, and I love that people had those com same complaints about TNG because now we look back on it as, as classic Star Trek as TNG. So I really like that because I think it's a great thing to refer to about how sometimes change is hard with Star Trek and it works out. I'm listening to the podcast, the Delta Flyers. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, ends in Harry Kim and and Lieutenant Paris. And, and you know, they talk about things and they're they're both accomplished actors. And, and, and I guess um, Robert Duncan McNeil's uh, a producer and a, and and a, a director. director. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done uh, incredible stuff afterwards. I had no idea that Robert Duncan McNeil actually directed a couple of episodes of Desperate Housewives. And that was some of his favorite shows that he directed. But anyway, I'm listening to it. And one of the things that they blamed on Voyager was all the crappy old tech that they were stuck with because it came out in TNG in like 1987 and they were stuck with it like 15 years later. <laughs> You know, that's so true. Getting stuck with the like the things of the past. And that's something that I noticed because I've now rewatching Enterprise and they did a good job, I thought, of modernizing, but keeping like you knew in the universe it was more retro, like because it was more it was like real present day hardware, like LCD displays and like like thing like keyboards and physical buttons and things that you would actually see as like good technology of like when enterprise was created but it was like it, it still had that feel of oh okay it's in the future but it's obviously not as good as tng because it's like analog buttons and stuff so i thought they did a good job with that and uh um i can see how how them having to keep with what tng had would be a little hard well, I mean, you started to see that evolution now because in Star Trek Picard, I guess this is a minor spoiler alert, like they don't have the traditional L cars touch screens, like everything is holographic and things like that. And there's a throwaway line that Picard has of, oh, I don't know if I know how to do this when it comes to using this holographic interface because they finally evolved past what we saw in 1987's TNG because pretty much all of the Treks after that use that same kind of touch screen keyboard components instead of having like flips and switches and things like that. It was all touchscreen stuff. Yeah. And I think at some point with fandom, we have to just accept that sticking with what was possible on screen at one point can't be continued and that it starts to look dated. So uh, yeah, check out TNG and laugh at all of the ways that they, re they reused old props like the original battle bridge being a redress of the motion picture bridge. Trying to save some cash. Yep. How many times did the battle bridge appear on screen? I'm really not concerned about that. Uh, they redid it though. That was, I think, the only time that they used that that exact version. After that, they changed. They kept the same sort of layout, but completely changed it. So, yeah, well, I mean, I, like the transporter was from TOS, but flipped upside down and stuff like yeah. that. They reused <laughs> a lot of props across all of the Trek up until we got to modern Trek. The Delta Flyers, they go into a lot of the Paramount filming studios and what was on the lot and that they were actually at the end of Paramount's heyday where they actually had prop makers and set makers there. And when they started filming Voyager and by the end that they had all all that stuff got outsourced and left and stuff like that. So it was really, truly the end of the era when once you got to the Voyager from TNG and Voyager was the last in the series of that timeline, really, because you had DS9 and Voyager and, and TNG. In going all to those props and stuff, one thing to consider is that stuff's not cheap, going and having a set built or things like that. That's why they reuse so much. Like, for instance, uh, Battlestar Galactica parallel here. The only reason they had a different CIC for Pegasus when Pegasus showed up is because there was a Lost in Space pilot that was done that flopped and wasn't picked up, so they bought the set from Lost in Space <laughs> and then redress some stuff in there to make the Pegasus CIC. That's how expensive some of this stuff is. And that's why they had something that looked so different because they got it for dirt cheap. I can see I that. Did not, I did not know that about Pegasus. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. And Chris, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Oh, if we're going to plug TV shows, SP recommended uh, Star Trek TNG. Because if it's a uh, anniversary, this isn't an anniversary, but I'll recommend it because I was a latecomer to it. And then I consumed it all in like two and a half weeks. Lucifer, which is a Netflix original now, was originally on Fox, is up through it's halfway through its fifth season. It is a take on the Vertigo comics Lucifer, as in Satan, the devil living in L.A. And it is really good. 
really good. I highly recommend it. The cast has really good chemistry together. And I think Tom Ellis is just delightful who plays the lead of Lucifer Morningstar, a.k.a. the devil. And uh, and I just want to go ahead and say right now that uh, I want to promote these two fine hosts. Uh, these two fine hosts are fantastic people. I, I really did miss having you on the show the last couple of weeks, SP. And I want to give a special shout out to Chris because he did fill in last week on the Better Podcasting live chat. So these two are wonderful people. I, I thought he was going right to say now. he was sorry he was stuck with Chris during that time. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I did look around my shoulder a little bit to see who you were actually talking about. But yeah, so yeah, it was again, it was really cool having two weeks off. And thank you very much for that. And thank you very much, Chris, for filling in on the Better Podcasting Live show. I will give you thanks again when we finally record next week that show. And and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So on that note, for episode number 347 of the official geek.com show, I'm Willie Nelson saying I'm taking over the hosting duties. And I'm SP wondering why Steven didn't use a deep fake rather than a mouth hole to pull that gag. I'm Chris Farrell, and I say Conan O'Brien's going to sue you for that gag. <laughs> yeah. I won't make the joke I'm going to make. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.